the director of missions here at The Rock, and one of our outreaches that he put together was the missions monkey, Stuff the Monkey, um, Sock Monkey Missions. Uh, I call it Stuff the Monkey because we got to stuff them, and we got to make them. These, this is two socks, two hiking socks, I'm assuming, and we came in two different times now, and we've cut them up, and what happens with these monkeys is they're given to the police department, and then when they go to a situation where there's children present, and it's very shocking, very stressful situation for the kids and what have you, the police officers, as we give the, these to them, they are taking these monkeys and giving them to the children. Let's begin. Are you ready today? So I'm going to continue this morning with the second part of the series, A Rising Tide. And again, I want to say, I don't want to embarrass this particular person, but I appreciate uh, one of our visitors that is present with us today. He said, I Drove by, saw the church, went to the website, listened to the service last week of a rising tide, and I'm excited today to hear part two. So I just want you to know, without embarrassing you today, first of all, we're grateful and blessed and thankful you're here. Secondly, I hope that today, Holy Spirit will speak to you as deeply as he did last week. Amen? Amen. So a rising tide, part two. Did you learn anything last week? Yes. I came in this morning, and I saw three people that had a shirt that really I need to put in a, what would you call it? A um, perpetual order that says, when you do these things, count me in. And I can tell you when I saw Christian walking up the sidewalk this morning towards the front doors early, and he had this shirt on, where's Christian at? Is he in here? Christian, what's, what's your shirt say? It says, stand up and let everybody see that. Mina, stand up and let everybody see your shirt. Vanessa, stand up and let everybody see your shirt. says, I am the tide. Now, keep standing, don't, but don't be seated because I want everyone to look at you and just stare. Oh, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I didn't even realize you had it on too. I want everybody to just stare at them first. Just five, no, no speaking, no talk, no sound. Just everybody stare. No. Isn't that a great shirt? Come on, give it up this morning. I am, you can be seated. I am the tide. So I... I saw Christian coming in, and then I saw Vanessa's shirt, and then I saw Mina's shirt, and I was like, I love that. I am the tide. How many of you believe that this morning? Yes. You believe you are the tide. So the idea, the emphasis, the point of a Rising Tide series is born out of a Chinese adage that uh, was, I don't know how many years old it is, how many centuries or uh, thousands of years it might be, but it is this, and you've all heard it, especially if you're a boater. It is this, a rising tide lifts all boats. A rising tide lifts all boats. This is the context. This is the premise of this series, and it really is relating that tide to you and me. So, in every way, and, and as I said last Sunday, I said in the same way that a rising tide lifts all boats or floats all boats, a sinking tide, can it, it causes all boats to sink, to lower, to go down. And I can tell you today, my heart and soul, because I believe this is the Father's heart and soul, is that we see ourselves not as something that calls sinkage, but something that lifts he wants us to see ourselves as one who lifts up, not someone who brings down. Can we say amen to that this morning? So what is the context of this statement, a rising tide lifts all boats? And I'm going to give you three things. A good word from you will lift your brother. A serving heart 
will always lift those that are around you. And this is a big one. Forgiveness will change a life. Forgiveness will change a life. All around us, there is way too much sinking and not enough lifting. All around us, there is way too much remembering what something was instead of seeing what something can be. All around us. A rising tide will not lift a boat that has a hole in the bottom of it. I got to tell you, I was reading this morning, early this morning, when I get up first thing in the morning, I always check the headlines and I read the headlines and I check my email. I do that. And those of you that get emails from me early in the morning at 545 and six o'clock, you understand that because I send them. I don't expect you to read them then, but I, I send them out early. Because I do that right off the bat, and then I'm a creature of habit, so early in the morning, and then 3 o'clock every afternoon, I read emails, and I respond at 3 o'clock. So you'll get emails from me at 6 in the morning, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But um, I was reading this morning, and one of the headlines was something that I thought was just, just, just amazing. And it said, first time in recorded history, there are 10 million jobs available in the United States, and only 8.4 million people that can fill them. For the first time in recorded history, there are more jobs available than there are people who can fill them. And that is if you took every person off unemployment, every person off welfare, they are part of that 8.4 million. Every single person. There are more jobs available to people today than there are working age people in the United States. How can that possibly be? Well, there are too many boats with holes in them. But here's the thing. Does it do any good for me to climb in the boat of the guy that has a hole in his hull and say to the guy, you have a hole in your hull? Does it do any good for me to point out the obvious? Or would it be better if I got in the boat with a guy that had a hole in his hull and I said, can I help you fix the hole in your hull? Because maybe sometimes, oftentimes, many times, choose the one you want. Oftentimes, people don't plug the hole in their hull because they really don't know how to. And let me go back to welfare. I have members in my family that have been on welfare as long as I've known them. I'm convinced today they wouldn't know how to get off unless somebody stopped sending them a check. And suddenly, education. They'd be educated. But as long as I'm 56 years old, I have members in my family that as long as I've known them, they'd, they sit home and they collect welfare and are ne never have looked for a job. But does it... Do any good for me to go to them and to say, get off of this. I want to lift your boat if I don't help them understand how the boat can be lifted. I believe it's a discredit to every single person that has a hole in their hole for me to simply say to them, you have a problem without saying to them, I can help you fix it. Now, every person that has a hole in their hall is going to decide whether they want anyone to help them fix it. That's right. There's a scripture, and we're all familiar with it, and it says the poor will always be with you. 
And there's a reason, because there's simply some folks that no matter, if you plug the hole in their hole, they're going to unplug it. Can't do anything about that. You walk away and let the boat sink. Nothing you can do about it. It's not your responsibility. But it is our responsibility to give opportunity to every single person that is around us. To be a tide that when it is sent and it comes in, and we talked about being sent last week, we are sent, and when, we, when this tide of us comes up to shore, that we're able to lift every boat that is there, and if we recognize that there are boats around us that aren't being lifted, it's right for you and me to go to that boat and say, how can I help? I'm not going to simply stand on the bow of my boat and find myself being elevated higher than you are with each minute of this rising tide and act like it's okay as I watch you sink. But what I'm going to do is I want to approach you and I want to become a rising tide. And in this case, for you that have holes in your halls, I'm not against you. Even my words that I spoke a moment ago about those who are using my tax dollars to watch soap operas. I'm not against you. Those words aren't to condemn you. Those words are to help you understand there is a way. You're created with purpose and opportunity. I hope my words today can be a rising tide to you. You be the one that says, no more, and get up Tuesday morning, because tomorrow's Labor Day. Get up Tuesday morning, and you go out Labor Day. Something a lot of people, have, they don't even know why they get a vacation for Labor Day. But get up Tuesday morning. Go out. I hope that my words encourage you. To make a decision for yourself, no more. I want to float your boat Tuesday. Isn't it true? I mean, anybody that would get mad at me for saying these things are only those people that would get mad at me for saying these things. We are an incoming tide. Wherever we go, the righteousness of God is in you and me. If we have a relationship with the Father, the righteousness of God is in us. And you and I, every time this tide comes in, every time we arrive at a point in time or moment that the Father has prepared for us, we have an opportunity to lift those that are around us with everything that is in us, with our words, with our actions, with our smile, with our joy, with the way that we approach things. We have an opportunity. So I want to look at something this morning. I want to look at how the Father showed us how to be a rising tide, and I want to do that through Psalm 23. So let's look at this. Psalm 23. I'm going to read all of it, and then we're going to move through this point at a time. It reads like this, and you probably have it memorized, but uh, 
like I do, probably in the King James, but I'm reading it out of the ESV. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup. It overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So how does the Father in this passage show us what it is, what it means to be a rising tide. There's four things I'm going to address this morning out of this passage, out of Psalm 23. One, he leads. We'll come back to each one. Two, he restores. Three, he is present. And four, he empowers. He leads, he restores. He is present, and He empowers. Let's talk about this. First one, He leads. It says this in verse 2 and then also in verse 3. It says, He makes me lie down. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And then verse 3, I'm going to jump over part of it. It says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here's the thing about this. So first of all, he leads. So if I'm a rising tide and he's an example of what it is to be a rising tide, and if he is leading, how do I lead? Let's ask ourselves. Ask yourself. If this is how he leads, he leads beside still waters. He leads in paths of righteousness. If this is how he leads, how do I lead? Do I lead people in a place of peace? Because when I think of still waters, when I think of paths of righteousness, I think of peace. I think of rest. I love to fly fish. Love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. I don't do it enough, but I love to fly fish. And I love to fly fish for rainbow trout or any kind of trout that's in a river. And one of the things that I love about that is I love the sound and I also camp and I love and everybody that's camped with me knows that I love that running water and I, I have to be by, I have to hear the water running over the rocks, otherwise it's not real. So I go out and when I'm camping or when I'm fly fishing particularly, when I go out and I fly fish and I'll go and I'll wander off into the woods and... And on my 50th birthday, uh, all of you put together and surprised me and sent me to Alaska for seven days. It was, was a phenomenal trip. And I remember one particular morning, I got up all by myself because there was only three hours of daylight and the people who went with me were sleepy. And so I got up at three o'clock in the morning. And I got up at three. I told them when I went to bed, I said, I'm getting up at three and I'm going into the woods somewhere. Don't know where. It was our first night there. I had no idea where I was or what was going on. And I said, and I'm going to go into the woods and I'm going to go fly fishing. Three o'clock in the morning, the sun was coming up. It was wonderful. I never, it never occurred to me that there are grizzly bears and everything that were out there on this island. I was on an island. And, um, but it didn't matter. 
I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I got my fly rod, and I, I took three or four fly rods with me there, or shipped them there. And I took these fly rods, and I put my fly rod together, got it all ready, tied my fly, had everything the way that I wanted it to, and I could not wait. I could not wait to find me a stream somewhere. I knew if I got on the highway or the road, there was no highway. But if I got on this dirt road and I just started driving, at some point I'm going to cross a river or a stream. And when I cross it, I'm just going to pull over and I'm going to wander off into the woods and I'm going to find the right place to fish. And I was all alone. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I do that. I get in the little truck that was, came with a little cabin that we were in. And I drove that little cabin down this road for probably 20 minutes. And I passed two or three streams, but they were little trickles. And, and I finally came upon this one that had these massive boulders. Just big, big boulders everywhere. And, and there was water running, and I could see it. And I thought, man, if, it's, if, it, if there's boulders, anywhere there's big boulders, you can be sure you're going to find big water. That's just a note if you ever go camping. So I see these big boulders, and so I pull over. And even though at the road it was just kind of a trickle, I knew if I follow this upstream, I'm going to hit big water. So I went off into these woods, and I'm plowing through stuff, and I'm pulling stuff away in the vines. And I've got my fly rod, which is eight and a half feet long, and it's difficult to get through the woods and I'm and I'm all alone and and I'm and I'm talking because I am aware that there might be bears so I'm like yeah yeah whoa (laughs) it's like one time my sister-in-law was with us on a trip and she was hey bear the whole time we never saw any wildlife not even a squirrel she's like this the whole time but I'm just talking out loud. Hey, you know, great day to be fishing. Hey, trouty, 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 trouty. Here I come, coming to get you. I didn't want to see a bear. I didn't want a bear to see me. I didn't want to see, I didn't want to see anything that was out there except fish. So I get back probably maybe a mile and a half, two miles into the woods, and, and I came upon the big water that I was looking for. And on the side of that big, I could just hear the rushing sound of water, and it's just it's just amazing, and it's just, it's so peaceful, and just, it's just, oh, it just, it just, it was amazing, and, and I climb up on this big rock, and I've got my fly rod, and I pull the fly out, and I find me a place, because when you fly fish, you have to have as much space behind you as you do in front of you, it's really hard to do out there in those thick woods, but I found a way to position myself on that rock, and I pull my fly out, and I pull out about 15 feet of fly line, and I start weaving this thing, and I start throwing And then I pull, I throw, I pull, I throw, I pull. And I kept doing this until I got it right where I wanted it. And then I dropped it. And just watching, I'm listening to that. And I dropped that fly right down in a perfect little eddy behind a little rock. And as soon as that fly hit that thing, I mean, it had, it, I'm telling you, that fish was watching me and it was waiting on that thing. And as soon as that fly hit that, bow, bow, man. And I'm fighting this fish. And it was so incredible and the father took me there because he knew I'm going to float your boat Steve I'm going to float your boat because there were some things that happened prior to that trip I needed my boat to be floated I needed my boat to be lifted and he got me to this place on this thing, and I just, I don't know how many fish I caught. I got a picture of it somewhere. But I would catch them, and I'd let them go. Probably the same fish over and over. But I'd catch them, and I'd let it go, and I'd throw it out there, and I'd catch another one. Never even had to move. Never had to move. Maybe no one has ever fished on that rock, ever, before. And I'm catching those trout. But he led me beside still waters. He led me in paths for righteousness' sake. 
He took me down those woods, and the whole time that I'm alone, and the whole time I'm walking down that place, he led me to this place, and he began to lift my boat. The tide was rising for me. And with every step I took, the smile was bigger. With every step I took, I was thanking you. Man, the people of the rock are so amazing that they got me this trip. They don't even know how this is impacting me. They have no idea how awesome I'm feeling because of what they did. They love me enough to do this. And all I could think about was how you were floating my boat. You were lifting this ship. And I get back into there at that place, and I can tell you today, I can tell you today, for you and me, the Father leads. Do we? What happens if we take what the Father teaches us in Psalm 23 about leading, and what happens if we begin to apply that to ourselves? See, what the Father didn't do, nor did you, nor did you. For those of you that were a part of that, and you were here at the house at that time, a lot of you were not then. But for those of you that contributed to making it possible for me to go on that trip, because it's, it was my life, literally a lifetime dream, was to go to Alaska and be on an island, be dropped off by a float plane. That's exactly what happened. Dropped me off by a float plane on a remote island. There was no way out of there without a float plane. So I had to wait till the float plane came back to get me. It was beautiful. But what you did, you led me. You led. You said, you didn't say, you know what, Steve... Oh, you know, we would really help. We would do this for you. We would lead you. We would give you opportunity. We would lead you beside paths of still water. Uh, we would lead you uh, to righteousness. We would do all of this. But you know what? I remember one time you preached a message. It really made me mad. And then I remember another time that, you know what? You were, you, you, you were just a few minutes late to something that was really important to me. And because of that, you know, I'm just going to really kind of hold that against you. So maybe in the next trip. And, you know, you do, what happens? See, you, you, we raise a ship or we sink a ship. But when we lead, a rising tide always leads. A rising tide doesn't consider what was behind it. See, that when the Father led me, He didn't consider who I was before I came to know Him. He didn't say, you know what, Steve, I'm not going to bless you because before you knew me, you were a rascal. You don't deserve this trip because there was a day you didn't deserve anything. He didn't do that. He led. And you know what? Sometimes leadership, it isn't about where we take somebody. Sometimes leadership is about how we see somebody. It's not just about saying, you know what, take here, let me lead you, follow me, and I'm going to take you over here. That's not, that's not all it's about. Leadership sometimes has nothing to do with holding someone's hand and walking them somewhere. It just has something to do with how I see them. How do I view them today? Because at one time I might have viewed you like this, but I'm going to show some leadership and I'm going to change my perspective. And I'm going to see you differently today. It's tough. But first of all, he showed us how to lead. He leads beside still waters, and he leads us in paths of righteousness. And I can tell you, when we come to the place where we receive his leadership, and we, we let that uh, leading be part of our, our rising tide, part of that incoming tide, be part of who we are, that leadership begins to lift those that are around us, and it begins to cause them to begin, some people, to believe in themselves again. So you just wonder how many people, maybe even in this room or watching online or outside of this building, just continually beat themselves up because they've never seen the tide. The tide has never come to them. And everything that does come to them, instead of leading, it beats down. And instead of saying, let me help you plug the hole, it says, I'm going to make your hole bigger. I'm never going to give you an opportunity. Never going to give opportunity for your boat to float. That's not the way Yahweh did it. And that's not how... 
He's calling us to do it either. Secondly, he restores. He restores our soul. Let's read this in verse 2. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Verse 3, he restores my soul. When the tide comes in, when a rising tide comes in, you know what it does? To restore, to restore. You can't restore something that wasn't, didn't once exist. It isn't restoration if it wasn't there at some time. He restores my soul. What does he teach us about this? If I'm the tide, if I'm the incoming tide, and he has sent me to make an impact on all of the earth, and he's restored my soul, what does that say about me? How do I react to that? I want to be a restorer too. See, every single person that's in this room, every person you're mad at right now, every person, think of, think of three. Maybe you can't. I hope you can't. And if it's your husband or wife, please don't raise your hand ever if I say something. If it's your children, we've all been there. But think of somebody that just gets in your craw. You just can't get past their thing, their whatever. Can I tell you something about that person? Let me tell you something about that person. Believe it or not, if you could see through the window of your disappointment, if you could see through the window of how they have let you down, if you could see through the window of all of that, and you could see them the moment that the Father breathed His pneuma breath into their nostrils, you would see somebody that has as much potential as you do, looks every bit as good as you do, has every bit of the strength that you do, is equally as anointed as you are. You need to hear what I'm saying to you today. See, the Father's a restorer, and a rising tide restores. A rising tide restores. A rising tide tries to find a way, how do, how do I help this person become who they were in the beginning? What part do I have? If the Father sends you into their demographic, into their place, into their geographical location, if he sends you into their life, into their, what's the word I'm looking for? Into their, help me. World, we'll use that. Environment. If he sends you there, can I tell you? He sent you to be a restorer. Not to be a convictor. Not to be an executioner. But to be a restorer. If he sent you there, I got to see myself. He restores my soul. He says, I'm going to take those things that were in you that were so contrary to me, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to lift your boat. I'm going to be the tide that comes rushing in, and I am going to lift your boat, and I am going to restore you to your purpose. A rising tide restores. And we are rising tides. A rising tide is always looking for a way not to bring down, not to tear apart, but to lift up, to bring exhortation. You know, we've had people, sometimes I start saying something and I think, well, do I need to say it? So since I started, I'm not going to be the guy that doesn't tell the rest of the story. 
But there have been people in times past that have come in and say, well, you got these people and, and everybody should be wearing this type of clothes and people should be doing this. They're going to church. They should be doing this. They should have this. They, and they just tell me all the things that people should have. And I, and I think to myself, I don't know that I've ever said it. Maybe I have. But I think to myself, if I start imposing some of the things that you're asking me to pose, impose on people, they wouldn't even come into the house of God. They wouldn't even come into this building. Because suddenly we've made this thing about rules and not about relationship. So because they don't match our idea of what the kingdom should look like, we don't get to determine that. What we get to do is we get to be that rising tide that lifts their boat. We get to be that rising tide that becomes a restorer. And we get to say to someone who comes in, whoever they are, naked, clothed, hungry, adulterer, adulteress, all the things that I've mentioned in the past, drug addict, whatever they are. We don't get to say to them, are you any of these things? Has this ever been a part of your life? Well, mm, then that church down the street, they accept people like you, but we don't. When you get perfect, you come on in. But until then, you can't. That's not, we don't get that option. See, we're restorers because the father said, I'm a restorer. And you be a restorer too. And anytime something is restored... It's finding its way back to its original intent and its original purpose. So a rising tide restores. I encourage you today. For all those people, whoever those people are that you feel more comfortable being an executioner for, I can tell you the problem isn't with them. With all kindness, with all due respect, and every possible kind, gracious way I could say it, the problem's with you. If you feel like it is your duty to be the executioner, You've lost sight of what your purpose is. So a rising tide restores. And then it says, he is present. He is present. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear does not exist. I will fear no evil because you are with me. You are present. A rising tide is present. See, what I love about this scripture that he has here, he says, even though in verse 4, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they bring comfort to me. You know what's really cool about that is this reference point in verse 4 is about you and me in a potential situation where things are very difficult. Things are very difficult, very hard in our life. But what he doesn't do when things are difficult and things are hard is he does not bail out. He said, when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, when things are difficult, I'm going to be there. And both my rod and my staff, they are going to bring comfort to you. They're going to let you know, stay the course. Don't stop now because we're going to get in. I'm not going to make it easy for you. I'm going to get you through it. He's present. A rising tide is present. A rising tide that you and I are called to be, we don't get the opportunity to decide and to say, you know what, this was fun. You know, when it was fun and we were all, it was all fun and games, you know, we were like buds, but now it's not fun anymore, so we're not buds anymore, so I'm not going to be present anymore, so don't call me, I lose my number, or I'll change it. You know, we don't get to do that. Because a rising tide is present with those that the Father puts in our lives. Do you hear me today? And then lastly, he empowers. 
He prepares a table before us. Oh, this is a tough one. Ooh, maybe you need to pray in the spirit for about five minutes before we do it. <laughs> Since he empowers, he prepares a table before us where? <laughs> Stop. He didn't say that. Let me see. Let me check. Yeah, that's what he said. You prepare a table for me in the presence, right in the presence of my enemies. Not apart from my enemies. Why? Because a rising tide is always looking for an opportunity, going back to what I said in the beginning, to plug the hole in the hall. The anointing of God is always looking for an opportunity to plug the hole in a sinking ship. In the rising tide, when it is you and me, and we are sent in and the tide is coming in, you and I have an opportunity to sit at a table that might even be among our enemies. What happens? Do we do this? I've had opportunity in the past. I'll have opportunity soon. I'll have opportunity again in the future to sit at a table where people don't completely align and and agree with me and what I do and what I believe about the kingdom. Some people like more rules than I do. Some people like to use titles more than I do. I don't like it at all, but they, they like it even more than I don't. But I've had opportunity to sit at tables with people that I would never, I've said this before, I said, I don't have any enemies, but I think people have made me theirs. I personally, to this day, I right now could not tell you of a single enemy that I have, not one. But I know that there are people that have made me theirs. But he said, I'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Why does he do that? Is he doing that? Contrary to popular opinion, is he doing that because he's trying to show us off? Is he trying to say to the enemy, look, if you'll follow me, this is what will happen. You'll get to sit at this table, I'll prepare it. No. See, what we need to not get confused about this scripture, he didn't say in the presence of his enemies. He said in the presence of your enemies. Father doesn't have enemies. You're not getting me. He said, I'm going to prepare, because this is what a rising tide does. It prepares a table in the presence of your enemies. He said, I'm going to prepare that table in the presence of your enemies. He didn't say, I'm preparing this table in front of my enemies. You need to catch that point. He said, I'm doing it in front of your enemies because I'm going to give you opportunity. Because this is what a rising tide does. Do you hear me this morning? So what's really difficult about sitting sometimes at a table with our enemies is that we actually have to look at them. We actually have to deal with the disagreement. We have to deal with the misalignment of ideas or attitudes or whatever it might be. We have to deal with whatever offense might be present. Whatever didn't go the way that we thought. But what we got to keep in mind is no two people, not two people, not two, not even two, not even one, two people have ever stood side by side or sat at the same table ever and agreed on every single thing. It's never happened. I can't even sit with my wife at dinner and agree on every single thing. She loves sweet potatoes. I hate them. I know, Christian. I do. I, hate, I had this conversation with Juju the other day. She said, well, you got to have this kind of sweet potato. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. You can call it Charlie Brown. I'm not going to like it. <clears throat> I just found out Juju's a chef. 
More about that later. But he said, I'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And I got to know this. I have to accept this. If he's preparing a table for me in the presence of my enemies, it's not so that my enemy envies that I have a plate at the table. Because so do they. Because you have to understand it's my enemy, not his. So if he prepared that plate for me, he's also preparing it for them. He said, I'm going to prepare a table for you. In the presence of your enemies. It's sort of like kids. I listened to this story on the radio the other day. I heard this lady tell a story that I thought was cute. And she was talking about her two daughters. And her two daughters are both in elementary school. And they, are, they go to a private school. But they're in, I forgot what, how old they are. I think like 8 and 10 or something like that. But they go to an elementary school, private school. And she was sharing the story and she said, Oh, no, it was two friends, not daughters. It was two friends. It was, they lived next door to each other. One's eight and one's ten, whatever. And she said they had gone to school, and they kept getting in trouble. And the teacher would call, and she would say to the one mother, she would say, listen, you know, your daughter, let's say Jane, you, Jane is, you know, she's just getting in arguments all the time with Susie. And then she would call Susie's mother and say, Susie keeps getting in arguments with Jane. Well, they're neighbors, but the teacher doesn't know that. And then the parents said she couldn't figure it out because they've been best friends. They've known each other since they were born. She couldn't figure it out. And then she realized. She said, oh. She, asked, she was driving down the road and she heard the kids talking in the back of the car when she was taking them to school. And they said, remember today, the first thing that we have to do is get in an argument at school. We're faking it. We're going to get in an argument because the teacher always makes those who's ar- who argue sit together. Brilliant. She got that from God. Because Yahweh said, I'm going to prepare a table for you, and the pre- right, you're going to sit right beside your enemy. The one you argue with, the one you disagree with, the one you don't like, because this is what's going to happen. Not only are you going to help them, but lo and behold, maybe their tide will raise your boat too. What? No way. They don't have any water in their ocean. That is, that person, middle name is drought. And the father said, mm-mm. Said, I'm going to put you both at the table, and you're going you're gonna ri- to raise their boat, and they're going to raise yours. You might, you're going to find out. See, because what I need you to know today, listen, look at my, look at, read my lips. No new tech. No, I'm just kidding. Read my, you've got to be older than you are, most of you are. <laughs> read my lips. I'm telling you today. Your enemy is not God's enemy. Well, (laughs) I want him to be because I want lightning to come and I want him to strike them and I want this to happen and I just would be better off if they weren't even on the earth and the father the whole time is saying, you got a hole in your hole. You think you're rising, but you're actually sinking. Look around you. It's about to breach the side of your boat. See a rising tide? A rising tide sees this. Recognizes. He prepares a table for you and me. In the presence of our enemies. 
Because where the Father sends us, He does not send us to try to sort out. He sends us to lift those who are around us. We talked about it this morning. There's a scripture in the Second Testament. It says, if, all, if I, you will draw all men unto me, if my name is lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. If I be lifted up, I think there's a song that we used to sing like that. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You lift me up. You lift me up. You be the rising tide. Get past your own emotion. Get past your own feeling. Because the kingdom of God, Juju, is bigger than our offenses. It's bigger than our disagreements. It's bigger than whatever unforgiveness that we might possess. And we cannot see ourselves. I hope when you come into this building this morning or you're watching online today, I hope that when you got up and you came here, and I'm about to wrap this up, but I hope that when you came here today, you didn't come out of habit. I hope it wasn't just muscle memory. It's Sunday morning, I should be at church. Oh, yeah, kids, oh, don't forget. Ah, set the alarm. But I hope you came today. Because when you came, you see yourself is part of the kingdom of God. Part of the kingdom of God that is forever increasing and you don't see your actions at home and your actions on the job and the things that you do wherever you are. You don't see those things as, uh, unpro- as, as irrelevant because everything that we do outside of this building, outside of our time together, everything that we do, we're either lifting the boats around us or we are sinking them. I can tell you at the end of the day, the Father's looking for you and me to be a tide that lifts all boats. We are a rising tide. You and I, we are a rising tide. And we don't get to choose which boats get lifted. If we find ourselves in the... See, I have a responsibility because of every single face I can see, I am responsible to lift every boat in this room this morning. When I got up, when the Father put a word in my my heart about this series and what I was going to be talking about today, when He put that in my heart, He knew exactly who was going to be here today. And He put that in me and He anointed me today to bring a word to you that would lift every boat under the sound of my voice. Now, the tide has come in. But the captain of every boat has to decide how they're going to respond to the tide. So my hope is that today, one, you see yourself as a rising tide and you bring life. You lift. Everybody say, I lift. I'm a lifter of the heads that are bowed down. You're not a torpedo or a cannonball. (laughs) See that ship over there? Mm. Three degrees to the right. Mm. Fire. No. He empowers. He prepares a table before us in the present. How is that empowering? (laughs) It's empowering because it makes us, when we have to sit at the table with our enemies, we really have to consider a lot of things. What am I going to do with this minute? What am I going to do with this minute? Am I going to pretend like they're not there? And I think we've all done it. You've seen somebody that you've made your enemy or they've made you their enemy and you see them at the store and you just find a different aisle. Yeah. Suddenly you don't need that toothpaste. Yeah. You laugh because you were there yesterday, yeah. But the father says, I prepared. Maybe, maybe he sent you to that toothpaste aisle. Maybe. 
Maybe your tide, that was your shoreline with aisle three at Publix. How do I know that? He empowers. He prepares a table before us right in the middle of our enemies. Why? What could all of this possibly accomplish? When we rise, those around us rise with us. I don't want to be known. You know, in football they have this thing that they do, and also in war, on planes, on ships. They have this thing that they do in football. If they make a tackle, a, a spectacular tackle, or something happens, they get a little thing on their helmet. In war, you know, if you're flying a fighter jet, for every down jet of the enemy, you get this little thing on your whatever logo or emblem that they choose to use gets put on your particular plane to let you know how many shots or kills that you've gotten. When you, even in video games, when you're playing these games, they award you for how many that you get. You're awarded for that. That's not the kingdom. That's Adam. In fact, I think the Father maybe gives us a certain allotment when we begin our life. But when we kill, He takes them off. The awards are removed. See, we start with abundance. And we end up with lack. Because of how we respond to the opportunities around us. In the kingdom, we don't start with an empty cup. We start with a full one. You come into it with every gift, every tool, everything that you need because the anointing of the Holy Ghost is present in you. The day you receive Jesus Christ, at that very moment, that you said, I'm yours and you are mine. When you said that, everything began to change. What do you do with that today? Do you hear me today? So put your hands on your... Stand with me if you would. Put your hands on yourself and say this with me this morning. Say, I am a rising tide. I'm a restorer. What's all the points? Put those points up there. I lead. I, was, I, gotta, I wanted to get them in order. I lead. I restore. I empower. What's the other one? Present. And I'm present. You'd think I would know that too by heart. And that's why I have bullet points. And that's why you saved this message today so you can go back and listen to it again. I lead. I restore. I am present. Do I? I am power. My job isn't to remind you of your failings. It's to empower you with your potential. Yes. Father, we lift our voice today. And I thank you today for a people that have a heart to receive everything that you have given to us today. Let our eyes see and our ears hear. May we see the kingdom, not as just another day on the calendar or of the week. But may we see our opportunities in the kingdom when I get up every morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every day of the week. May we get up every single day with this on our heart and in our mind. Today, the Father has given me something to work with. It's called a day. What am I going to do with it? I'm coming into this as a tide that is rising. And I choose to lift the boats around me. 
that come into my day and share this day with me. Father, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. I bless you. Love you.